0: I want to just stir us up. We are jumping into a series next week, and so I don't want to preempt them. I'm basically the teaser. You know, when they like, there's a there's a movie coming out, they put a little teaser. I'm the teaser. Next week, Gabe will kick off the series, and and I'm just here to tease you. But I want to provoke. I don't even want to necessarily teach us deep, deep theology. I want to spur us on and encourage us in our faith. And maybe it's because two weeks ago I was ministering in parts of the world where. Being a preacher is illegal. Where If if I got caught, the church I preached in had bomb ballasts all the way around because in case there were any uh, moments of terrorism or acts of terrorism, the people I was hanging around with were ministering. The one guy we we mentioned last week, but Ram, he preaches in Pakistan. He was the first in the village to get saved. He came as a migrant laborer to a nation of Qatar, where you only really come if you're running from something or you're running to cash let's just be honest. As much as I love Qatar, it's a a city in the middle of a desert. You can't really swim because it's about 38 degrees in the sea. It's humid. It's salty. It's, it's, did I mention humid? And it's, um, and and the last time I was there last year, I was there for five days. I didn't see the sky because it was a dust storm. You don't run to that place, but yet God has pulled people to the desert to find a deep well of life of what only God can do. And so rum came for money, from Pakistan. He worked for two years. Then he had to go home. But he went home with the gospel inside of him. He went back to his village, preached the gospel till his family got saved. And then this year at Easter, he invited his villagers. And you've got to understand, there are terrorists who don't like and people in Pakistan who will come after the church. When Rob and them go and minister there, they have to have hired security to escort them. But Ram just preaches the gospel. Maybe we have a photo of Ram. We showed it last week. I just want to remind us. He's about this big. I don't want to overestimate. If we have that photo, there he is. He's about this big, and he's the most courageous man I ever met. Because the gospel burns inside of him. What's burning inside of you today? What's burning? What's burning? Uh, and, and, and I love the footage of the celebrations of the springboks and grown men standing in stadium just crying. Didn't you enjoy that image of... The game wasn't even over, and they put the image of the one guy, and he's just just weeping. He doesn't know what to do. (laughs) He's like, we haven't lost. I'm just crying. Uh, I mean, it's like he's going to be so embarrassed of that video for the rest of his life. He's the crybaby on the World Cup final. Him and Sam Kane, the the and who got a red card, they're going to remember that game for a long time. But it's... But when lost did the gospel move you to overwhelm, overcome tears? I stood in the Middle East preaching going, God, what is a, just a 14-year-old kid who encountered the grace of God all those years ago doing, preaching your gospel in the Middle East? What am I doing here? And I just wept. I wept for three days straight. I wept so much that when I went to go preach in Dubai, I intentionally prepared the preach. And this was my brief to myself. Prepare a preach where you don't cry because I was so dehydrated. I was drinking water, throwing it out. I just couldn't get hydrated again. My wife had to give me two rehydrate just to get me back in the game because I cried so much. Because God does something when there's passion and there's just uh, anything can happen. I want to just provoke us in the lines of anything can happen. And I'm not just talking about church, but even when we gather, that anything can happen. Um, And... and, uh, it's, it's moments where God breaks in and speaks and provokes. And God sent me to go and preach from South Africa. And I, I, I prepared to preach. And then on the, on the plane, I felt something totally different. So I prepared to preach out of Genesis 26. And I was like wrestling it. I was wrestling it. Oh, and I preached with all my guts. And she found out, no, two weeks before the preacher had spoken that as prophetic word to the church. Then a lady came from America to become a minister, a prophet. She came and preached. She got up straight after me. And said, I've been preparing a word for the last month. It's a word on Genesis 26. And she spent the next 20 minutes confirming the word I just preached. And I'm going, God, how do you do that? How do you take a lady from Atlanta and a a Charlie from Cape Town and you bring them to the desert to speak something in? Well, the God of heaven can do anything he wants. I don't know who you believe in. And I don't know how safe your God is, but mine's not safe. And mine not contained and he's not small. And if he's in the room, anything is possible. And so I just want to provoke us. You read the book of Acts, which is this picture, and it's just the story of God breaking, in. Jesus comes down, speaks about the gospel for 40 days. The Spirit of God falls like tongues of fire upon the apostles, and boom, the church is birthed. 3,000 get saved. Peter preaches. Peter, a wimp. Don't forget, he was a wimp. He preached that 3,000 got saved. But if you read the book of Acts, and you read it intentionally, it's not that big a book. You can go read it in about 2 hours and 15 minutes. I read in 2017 minutes. Sorry, I'm but slow, but maybe you're quicker, and you can do it. But you can sit down and just read it. I challenge you and charge you to read it with one prayer: God, open up my eyes, open up my heart, let the faith stir and rise. Not for safe, sanitized, secluded Christianity. Not for Sunday sitting in pews so one day I could be before God and say I did this many hours in church. Honestly. When I read Revelations and I, and I see some of the words to the church, I think maybe, just maybe, we'll be surprised about what we think God will be pleased with. and Because the, the only thing the Bible says pleases God is faith. Go to Ephesians. It's, it's only faith. But when I read the book of Acts, and there's this, anything can happen. We can just, if you've read the book of Acts, go read about a couple called Ananias and Sapphira. They were into savings accounts. And God... <laughs> you got to read it. It's a bit bigger than that. But, but Ananias, God breaks in. They lie dead. Boof. And it's like a Martin Scorsese movie. Next minute, the, the, Peter's there. He, he starts speaking to Sapphira, the wife. And he goes, you know those same footsteps you heard carrying your husband out? She's like, yeah, they're coming for you. Boof. She's gone. I mean, who would want to see that at church? I'm like, I don't know. I like, I don't know. I think that moment and the moment after the Springboks won the World Cup, I went up to one of the leaders last night. I said, hey, get up and do a salvation call. They're like, now? I said, yeah, it's the best time. (laughs) It's like people are weeping. uh, We didn't though, just to let you know. But but Acts 8, there's this, have you heard of teleportation? Philip's there and he's ministering and he's preaching. He's baptizing. He says, but after they'd come up from the water again, Philip was taken away by the spirit of the Lord. And the eunuch never saw him again. But he went, imagine you baptized, you go down, someone lifts you up and they, they're gone. You look, come on, huh? Where's the guys who baptized me? That's happening in the Bible, people. This is not DSTV extraterrestrial. This is, and, and it says, Philip found that he had reached Azatos. He just found himself in Azotus. And he just got on with the mission. He just carried on. But the best thing about that scripture, it says, this happened again. This is not the first time it's happened to Philip. And I know we get freaked out, and I know we like to keep it in understanding, and I know that wouldn't make sense on Instagram, and I understand all of that, but I believe in the God of heaven, who what is natural to Him, we call supernatural, but to Him it's just natural. I came to church once, and it was double services, much like this, and I led the first meeting, and the second meeting was coming, because church was a bit longer in those days. Worship was a good hour and 20 minutes if you're just scraping the surface, and so but someone, one of our leaders walked up to me and said, this man has just come from hospital. He feels like God has spoken to him. And God told him to come to this church. He'd never been to that church. He's been deaf his whole life and he's horribly diabetic. He takes insulin shots every day. But God spoke to him told him to come to this church. He's going to get healed. I'm like, yeah. He says, yeah. Will you pray for him? Yeah. He says, because the Bible says, if come to the elders with prayer of faith to get healed. I'm like, Yeah. So I prayed for him. You know what happened that day? God healed a deaf man who had to learn how to talk over the weeks and months to follow because he'd never spoken. You know who was more shocked? Not him. Me. Although I preached the gospel of healing, although I believed in a Savior healed, and my paradigms had become limited and small. And I'm telling you, it happens because of our pains. It happens because of our preferences. It happens because of our smallest. And I just want to provoke something of a poof in our hearts that we would see the God cuz I feel like and it's uh, I'm a feeler if I'm in a room I feel I, I I feel pain I feel brokenness I feel it I don't know why I wish I could shake it off I don't like it it causes me to cry a lot but I feel I feel like God is wanting to do something with us and this is not a provocation to craziness or I mean uh, there's the longest sermon ever preached in Acts chapter 20 it was so long that the one dude fell out the roof out the window on the third floor read it Acts chapter 20, verse 7 to 12. And the guy's name, what's his name again? I keep forgetting. Eutychus. Eutychus is there, and the apostles preaching is there. Woof, he's gone. Poof, falls three stories, dead. And then raised to life again. That is a church service, people. That is why we're building up. We're going to just go up. But I don't know when you read that stuff. What do you think? Are you thinking, why do you think God gives us those stories? they testimonies of the glorious one who says, when you tell the testimonies, God will do it again. Yeah. So so, so Missy leads worship. Well, she did in the first service, but she doesn't have voice. now. So Label jumped up and helped out a little bit with her. But when Missy told the testimony of a year ago, her husband, Johan, who many of you know, but Johan was really, really sick. I mean, really, really sick. Like deathbed sick. I went to visit him in hospital and... I remember coming home and my candor said, how is he? And my first comment, it's going to sound weird, so stick with me. I said, he's got very nice teeth. (laughs) And that might sound stupid to you, but this is why. Because I'd never seen his teeth because he'd lost so much weight that all I could see was his teeth because everything was so drawn back. And two weeks ago, that same man who was on death's bed, God has raised up brought life and vitality. He's dreaming. And for the last six months, he trained. And he told me six months ago, I'm going to run a marathon, trail running. And I try to put every break on him and saying, is that wise? Do you know what you're doing? Run around the block. He ran a marathon two weeks ago. So we tell the story. Why? Because God wants to do it again. Because some of you might not be physically, but spiritually, emotionally, relationally on deathbeds. And your teeth are showing, but no, there's no other life. I believe in a God who in a moment like this could stop the room. Just stop the room for you. He's done it before. He'll do it again. And so I want to just encourage us in that vein towards being that community and this potential that anything is possible, but it's, anything is possible when God's in control. So I want to provoke you with just Scripture. I just want to read Scripture and say this kind of life is not exclusive to those who lived In the book of Acts, days it's a description of what's possible for us. So it says this: Acts sixteen verse six to ten. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. He just just stopped there. He just got kept. Didn't got blocked, wasn't banned, but it says the Spirit of God was so near to him, so real to him, he had not just encountered him on a Sunday, and the Spirit of God wasn't just for a church service, the Spirit of God was just for the journey, to keep them. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Oh, the Spirit of God can stop some journeys. Not not legal systems, not, not visas, no, the Spirit of God can do that. So they passed by Mazea and went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So the Spirit of God keeps them from going one direction, stops them from going another, speaks to him in a dream of heaven, uh, of a man in Macedonia calling him, and immediately... We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. I'm just calling us, faith looks like something. It looks like a response. It looks like a language of I'm led by the Spirit. And yet the challenges of tough economic times and tough times for our nation and rising interest rates, there's a lot of conversations and people are sitting with pros and cons lists and they're they, they, they mapping out life trajectories. And if you go sit with a financial planner, he'll give you a plan that is naturally good. And and if you go sit with an economist, they'll give you plans. And if you go sit with life planners, and if you're young and you go sit with, uh, uh, um, I don't know, educational psychologists and those help, they'll give you plans that are naturally good, but they'll never be supernaturally led. And my job is to preach the gospel and the Bible to you in a way that you understand this is for us. This is for us. And sometimes God can just keep us from going somewhere. Sometimes he can just stop us. And sometimes he, 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 he can send us to the other parts of the world to call people out. And I get to tell this beautiful man something of his testimony in a church in Dubai. Just a Charlie from Cape Town gets to tell a beautiful testimony of a man and his family in a church in Dubai. So that another man who's running from his life, he's running from his brokenness, gets called out so that his life can be changed. And, and here's what you've got to know about that man. He, he'd been living a life of brokenness in a nation where he was the furthest from his parents' world and influence so that he could stand. And two weeks before I got there, he said, God, you're either you're real or you're not. So I'm going to trust that you are. And here's what I'm going to do. The Bible tells me to pray and fast. He started Daniel fast two weeks before and said, you've got to speak to me. God sends a Charlie from Cape Town. My name's not Charlie. Sorry, it's Mark. He sends a Mark from Cape Town. Who's nothing special to preach. But just because Mark was prepared to be stopped, I I literally went to a church to preach something where I wouldn't cry. That was my desire. I was so tired. Mark was there. I could barely stay on my feet. But in worship, I said to my wife, I feel like I've got to preach from Jonah. I've got to change it. This is in the worship. I've come from another nation to preach. They're expecting something classy and smart. God says, no, preach from Jonah too. The guy gets up to make announcements And at the end of his announcement, he talks to me. He makes a joke about Jonah. I'm going, ah. So I preach from Jonah too. I'm just telling you, God will do anything. And anything is possible. But we live in a world where what's only natural and we can do is possible. No, but not the Bible. So your, your kids that are far from God and it seems impossible. No, anything is possible. That diagnosis on your life, no, anything is possible. And I want to give us an appetite for that. And I want to just use just three simple encouragements in that light. I probably overprepared today. So I'm just going to go simple. Number one, the gospel has to grip us, otherwise another mission will. It's, it's just got to it's got to grip you. It's got to grip you. Does the gospel grip you? Because if you understand, it's death to life stuff. It's people falling out of windows, dying in front of everyone, being brought back to life. It's a woman who's got no, no. It's it, and and here's the promise in Acts chapter one. I grew up on the scripture. It challenges us. It says, but you will receive power. Yeah. Say power. power, not strategies. Seven one. <laughs> not strategies. You will receive power. When the Spirit of God comes to you, so you may be my witnesses. Not so you can be the best accountant. You're an accountant because you're a witness in that marketplace. You're a teacher because you're a witness to the goodness of God in that marketplace. You're, you're a leader in the NPO space. You're a whatever. So that you can be a witness. You can testify so that God can do it again. You can be my witnesses in places like Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That wasn't just like saying Cape Town, Langoban, um, uh, Durangon, I don't know where, uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, these were not just geographical places. I didn't go to Dubai because it's a fancy place. I go to Dubai because there's people running to money, and yet God is calling them. That's why God sent me to Dubai this time. And So you've got to know when, when, when the word comes, you receive power for Jerusalem. Jerusalem wasn't just a, a place, it was a place of influence. But in Jerusalem was a man who I've just forgotten his name, Nicodemus. He's a, he's a religious leader. He's an authority man. He's a man of wealth, status, and similar people look to him for leadership. And he's going, but I've got no answers about life. He's looking for Jesus and he encountered Jerusalem was a religious man named Nicodemus. Judea were people in the countryside who needed God. And they ran and they came from far places to be baptized. We baptized 33 people at our three services here at Tableview last week. 33 people. The the miracle of baptism is not a small thing. Jerusalem, Samaria. Samaria wasn't this influential town. It was just a a little town that had gone out of their way. And Jesus took the disciples out of their way. To go there and, and, and Samaria was a woman at a well who was broken, who had failed, who had failed relationships. Samaria was a broken woman. And, and will you allow the Spirit of God to empower you? But I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is not empowering you just for strategies, for an accounting practice. He's empowering you for women at wells. And then the ends of the earth, as the testimony of that lady, as she goes and shares the gospel with her town and says, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And I just want to put something into it because I grew up under the gospel of the nations. We sang songs about the nations, and at the time I didn't fully know what that was. And we worshipped in church where there were flags everywhere, and it irritated me because I kept on getting getting hit by flags, like literally physically hit people waving these flags. I'm like why are you hitting me, woman? I was a 15-year-old woman, like ducking flags, and so flags irritated me. And yet I'm so grateful I grew up under a gospel. For the nations. Bigger than my suburb. Bigger than my preferences. Bigger than my smallnesses. That's bigger than my, my everything. I'm trying to stir you up. And sometimes the flags came and they got in the way. My one mate, Sid Jolson, wrapping his flag. It was a big three meter long flag. So very few. And he, he whipped it around and he got caught off guard and the thing wrapped around him. He's on stage, wrapped in a flag. He couldn't get off the stage. And now I'm done. I'm watching him. He's trying to feel for the steps because he can't. Sorry, I don't know why I'm telling that story. Maybe it's because anything can happen. But I'm telling you, when we fall less and less in love with ourselves and our agendas and more and more in love with what God loves, which is people, that's Samaria, at Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. When you fall in love, I am in love with God's people. When I have the privilege, and I haven't been able to share it always because of the legislation in the Middle East, and and the first time I mentioned, I went to preach there, five of us were going across to minister. Only two of us were allowed in the country because of the control. Even this conference was meant to be for 1,500 people. They booked a hotel. They paid for it and everything. The government of Qatar said, you just can't do that. So let's go back to their hall of 650. It's a nation where the gospel is oppressed and yet alive. I go there to be filled up. I go there to encounter God. I go there to worship next to Ram. So that my faith rises. Secondly, I want to tell you that when heaven opens, my heart must follow. And Peter's this incredible man in Acts chapter 10. It says this about noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city. Peter went up on the roof to pray. Just as religious act. Not a bad thing, a good thing. But his religious daily act and rhythm that he had. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. It's like some of you, you, um, intermittent fasting guys. You know, those guys, you starve yourself for 14 hours and then you go in a trance. Like, it's great for your spiritual life. I'm just encouraging you. No, I'm just having a go. My wife's talking to me about intermittent fasting. I'm like, it doesn't excite me. Anyway, stay focused, guys. Stay focused. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contains all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat surely not lord replied i've never eaten anything impure or unclean the voice spoke to him a second time do not call anything impure that god has made clean and god is getting not just to his religious understanding he's getting to his heart he's saying i'm showing you a vision of heaven so i can get to your heart why because there's a mission called the gentiles and the end result is you and i heard the gospel because god into a man's god got into a man's heart not just his head and because God got into a man named Peter's heart, the gospel started going to the Gentiles. See, even these amazing disciples, they preached, but they preached to their own people. They didn't understand the gospel. God had to get into a man's heart, show him a picture of heaven so that the gospel go. When God shows you a picture of heaven, it's not just so you have a picture of heaven. And you can go paint a picture of what it was like or write a book that everyone will read. When god And honestly, when God shows you heaven and if you've been to heaven, you will preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Because you'll be so moved by a picture of Jesus. And I don't know, I've never been to heaven, but I feel like I've heard his voice at times. I wish I'd heard like Moses in the burning bush. I wish I had a burning bush experience. I, I didn't. But I've heard God. And it changes you. It has to. The gospel starts to spread. There's so much more I want to say that, about that. But, but today we benefit because the gospel went to the ends of the earth. What's the smallness in your heart? that a picture of heaven needs to break open. Stay on your knees. Keep worshiping. Get a little hungry if you have to. And fast and pray. And lastly, simply this, not a new message, but something I feel like I'm speaking everywhere I go. Fear must fall. And we read about, I went to visit Quentin at his house about 18 months after the lockdowns were finished. And we were standing outside and we were talking and I just noticed outside of my eye. His neighbor running around his house. I'm like, hi. Hi. Until lockdown, his neighbor used to run in the suburbs. He'd run around this beautiful city we live in, where you can see a mountain from almost anywhere. But because of fear gripping his heart and constraints and those walls becoming not little walls that keep us in and helpful things that protect us, they're becoming the walls that keep us closed down and small. 18 months later, he's still running around his house. And believers are doing the same. And I'm telling you, you can have an ocean of faith. An ocean. And we can sing songs like oceans. But you can have an ocean of faith with just a thin layer of fear. And all life possible because of faith dies. You only need a little thin layer of oil on an ocean to kill the life below. You can have an ocean of faith for healing and an ocean of faith for, for God's grace. But if you don't trust God with your money, I'm telling you, fear is your master. And yet the Bible speaks and challenges us and reveals to us that it's the privilege of sons and daughters. This is what it says. I wanna, I'm jumping ahead there. Oh, gosh. What have I done here? I'm going to jump ahead. I'm, I just want to take us to Moses and land with Moses. Because we know Moses is this man of faith. And he is. But actually, Moses was a bangbrook. He was. Right at the start, God says, I've called you to something. He says, I, I, I can't speak, and you know, I'm not there. And what if they don't listen? And what if no one listens? What if Pharaoh doesn't listen? What if, what if, what if, what if? He spends his life asking, what if? Like he's some strategic consultant helping God. God just says, and he comes, and the uh, Exodus chapter 3. He's the burning bush. Experience. He sees a bush, and God speaks to him from the burning bush, and he can't even, he fears God at first. And God says, don't fear me. And he keeps speaking. We see in Exodus 4 this encounter with the living God. And Moses answers, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And say the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And I just want to challenge us and charge us as this next season of understanding God and taking a hold and saying anything is possible. It means the questions of what if need to start dying. What if this doesn't work out? What if I trust God and what if the people don't listen? Moses was so scared about the people. You know what? Moses didn't enter the promised land. You know he didn't. He led them right into there. He did a great job and he should have gone in. But when God said, I need you to trust me, I need you just to strike the rock once. He smashes the rock twice and he shouts at the people of God and said, you didn't trust me. You didn't hello my name. Why? Why? Because of fear of the people and their opinions. Because they were grumbling and they were mumbling. Moses spent his whole life obsessed with the opinions of man. And the challenges he walked a glorious story. But he didn't enter into the promised land. Fear must fall. If we want to see that anything is possible. Fear is about what we can't control. Most of us and most struggle with what we don't understand. I want to just present it to you. The gospel pres- Never offered you understanding. It never said you'll understand it all. And if to stand next to deathbeds of young people and say, "I don't have understanding for you, but I have living water and I have the promise of eternity. If you are hold and you will trust, you will see him, because anything is possible. And I want to speak this word into us as a people, into your life and your story and the promise that anything is possible. Anything is possible. To the sick in the room, I want to tell you, God can heal you now. In this moment, if you'll trust Him. Can we stand just for a moment? I'm going to invite my mate and Pele to come and lead us in community, in communion. But I just want to pray for us. And if, you, if the gospel is more than a Sunday habit, a religious action, something that you've got to tick off, which I know it is, And I know God's called us to be a radical people. I want to call us to be a people who truly believe and understand and will see the testimonies of anything can happen. Can we raise our hands to the living God now and say, God, would you come? That same spirit who gives power, power, the church, power, God. Would you speak? Would you challenge? Would you come and allow the gospel to grip us where other grips are on lives right now? I declare freedom and those chains would fall. Grips of idolatry, grips of self. Gips of fear. Come, Spirit of God, set your people free to be a people of faith, courage, miracles. We believe in a God of miracles. Thank you, God, that even as we speak about Moses, you also used him to part the Red Sea. A man who struggled with fear and the opinions a man you still used him. So come, Spirit of God, bring courage, strength, life, that you would get all the glory. We worship you, God.